Hello, my name is Hayley Morris and this is Conversation Time. Welcome back to Conversation Time. I hope everyone's doing really well. And if you're in the UK, I hope that you are feeling good about coming out of lockdown. I know that it's been just a bit of a weird time at the moment. The feelings I have towards coming out of lockdown are very unusual. This time around, I'm not quite ready for it. Like I think last time, because the lockdown went on for months, I was so like, yeah, let's do it. Let's get out of lockdown. Let's go straight back into it. Whereas this time, because it was just a month, I've kind of got used to my new routine and I am loving it to be completely honest so I'm feeling a bit of a pushback on my end I know that is coming from a very self-centered position and a lot of people really struggled this lockdown so I truly understand I am being very selfish here saying that I wish it was a little bit longer but that is just me being me but the most exciting thing is that next week we are in December and December is such a magical time of year it's a time of year that I absolutely adore I just feel like everyone's a little bit nicer just a little bit more magic in the air, which we all know I'm always here for. I am just really excited to be coming into Christmas and I am also very excited for today's podcast. Today I am joined with Amy Bird. She is a singer and a performer and someone that I have known for many, many years. She used to teach me and my brother at a place called Stagecoach. I think there's many of them around the UK, but we had one on the Isle of Wight here and Amy was a teacher there. And I will just say we do reference my brother in this. He is called Ollie or Oliver. So if you hear the name Ollie and you're like, who on earth is this? That would be my brother. And he is a top draw human being, as is Amy. So Amy is just one of the most infectiously happy people I've ever met. She oozes this charisma, this confidence, and she is just so, so funny. She's just one of those people that has got very quick wit. And there's just never a dull moment when Amy's around. You can find her on Instagram at birdie. McBirdface. And you can also find her on Facebook at Amy Bird Music. So definitely go and check her out and give her a little like and a follow. But without further ado, let's jump straight into the episode. Hello. Hello, you okay? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. Oh my god, it's been so long since I last I I actually saw you. I was just trying to think about how long it's been. By the way, I've got like a weird bit of sunlight on me. It looks like I've got like a, some a kind zembra. of crazy... Uh, yeah. Wild makeup. <laughs> yeah, hi. I just thought I dressed like a zebra today. <laughs> Why not? How old were you when you went to Stagecoach? Because I, I taught Ollie more than I did you. Yeah. Um, God, I don't know. I think... It's really hard to even remember. I guess like 16. I think I maybe no, stopped going old. Oh, okay. So yeah. I didn't, I, cause I, yeah. How old, how much older than you is Ollie? Three years. Oh, okay. Cause mm. I, I don't remember teaching you as much as I do him. Yeah. I think I'd sort of gone by then, but. I can't really remember. I was so shy though. That's the one thing that really makes me laugh. I was so shy. That's what I always remember. Cause I said to Ian, my other half, I was just like, when, when I kind of saw all your blogging and stuff, I thought, yeah. oh my God, she was always so quiet. She's such a dark horse. I didn't realize she was quite as funny. And I, I knew that you had something about you, but it wasn't until I saw your vlog and I was like, her and Ollie are very similar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's so funny. Like looking back on how I used to be and how reserved I was and how like, I don't want anyone to see me doing anything. And then I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'll just put it all over the internet. Everyone can see it now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you up to at the moment? So at the minute, I, I'm working part-time at a gym because I think when we last spoke, was I working at the agency? Yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. So I... I went from work, like running a, a kids agency, mm-hmm. which is attached to like a, a musical theatre place that I used to teach at down the road because I live in Bedfordshire now. Mm-hmm. And I ran that for a few years and then I left and I joined a, an agency called Oxford Adams. I was an agent for about 18 months. Nice. And then it sort of wasn't for me. Since then, I kind of decided, oh, I just want a pay the rent job that I literally check yeah. in. I do my job, do a good, good, do a good job and then go and then I can do other stuff because mm-hmm. I've always done like loads of different things. I've always like I volunteered at a cat shelter for a bit. <laughs> um, 
I've always done band stuff and performed, but I don't actively audition anymore. I don't have an agent anymore or anything like that. Well, I think the thing with auditions is like not everyone goes to an audition and whenever you hear, oh yeah, no, I auditioned for this, this and this, it's always like, almost like, oh God, I don't think I could ever do that. Or like, how does it feel? Because I know like I've only been to a few auditions in my life. Like I went to two when I was 18 for presenting gigs and the first one I went to was terrifying and I was like Jesus Christ everyone is out to get you like literally there was a girl she sat opposite me she picked up the script and read it staring into my soul and I was like this is for me (laughs) so like yeah I think there's such a I don't know I don't I I having only done a few I don't know how how you have like the I don't know it's like there's so much confidence in it yeah no I completely agree and because I'm an absolute dickhead (laughs) I I've always said stupid things that I've gone blah, blah, and I've just I, my, like my mum always says put your mind in gear before you say something yeah and it no never happens. and yeah so I mean I, you know I, I always used to do quite well at auditions because mm-hmm. I always was slightly different to people because I never went to drama school or anything I'd started auditioning when I was like 16 as soon as I could really like leaving mm-hmm. the island and I think yeah I think um it was one of those things where you have to kind of I think I had like loads of not bravado when I was 16 but because I'd been working at the theatre mm-hmm. and I was kind of like not a big fish in a small pond but I always used to get yeah. parts there and stuff as you mm-hmm. may or may not remember but I just kind of had the yeah I'm really good at this and I'd like walk in an audition and be like yeah and <laughs> it would be and then they'd go oh this girl's a bit different because I wasn't like stage school ready you know like eyelashes and I had like short hair and I turned up an audition once with a shirt on like done right up it was a really quirky shirt it was like black and yellow and it was like all cool um patterns and stuff and I had my hair in basically a Mohican I had a tie on a tie a pair of black this is auditioning for Greece a pair of black jeans on and like these yellow bright yellow pumps and they must have been like where did they find her (laughs) where's she come from who is this freak and everyone else is turning up like you know with a neckerchief on and a circle skirt like acting as if they're Olivia Newton John or whatever and I'm turning up like John Travolta (laughs) (laughs) just completely unexpected they're probably like get the freak in get the freak in bring her on in (laughs) but then that kind of which is sort of one thing I think that you I don't know like people might want to hear that like going into uh, that audition if I hadn't have gone through the whole rigmarole of like going into all the Mm -hmm. open auditions and stuff I wouldn't have got the job that I got from it I got Rocky Rocky Horror Show after that and then it was from an open audition so like schlepping from the island at 5am in the morning yeah and I remember waking up that morning and going oh do I want to go to this open audition for Greece that's in London? I'm currently in Shanklin, Isle of Wight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to get up at like 4.30. Actually, I think it was earlier than that. I think I had to get up at four, get on the five o'clock thing, get to get there for 9am to queue. Wow. And I remember thinking, do I want to do this? And I, with my ex-boyfriend at the time, I kind of like woke him up and went, do I want to go? And he went, just go along. Just go along and see how yeah. it is. And I slept all the way up there. And then I went through rounds and rounds and rounds. There were like seven or eight rounds or something. And then the casting director at the time was a lady called Debbie O'Brien. She's brilliant. And I didn't have an agent at the time. And I remember I just had been phoned up like, hello, is that Amy? Yeah, it's um, Nikki from Debbie O'Brien's office. Um, uh, you've been called back in for an audition. Uh, they'd like to see you again. And I got kept on getting recalled. They must have, you know, I did really well in the auditions. And, yeah. and they kept on calling me back. So I had the number on my phone, you know, a Nokia 3210 <laughs> or something, a brick. Yeah, so I was literally. like, oh, I'm getting a London number. <laughs> and then my, I, I didn't hear anything for after like mm-hmm. the seventh audition or something. And then my mum said to me, because my mum was in the business as well. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, if you haven't heard anything, why don't you give them a call? I was a bit like, oh, I don't know if I should actually. Yeah, I can't give them a call. I'm just some nobody from the Isle of Wight and nobody's heard of me or haven't got an agent or anything. So I just phoned them. Mum went, ah, sod it. Just do it. So I phoned them up. I was like, hello, my name's Amy Bird. Um, I haven't heard anything from the Grease audition. And they went, oh, yeah, unfortunately, it has actually just been cast. And my mum said, fax through your CV. Fax it through. Because, like, faxes were, you know, really. Yeah, (laughs) I used to love faxes. And she said to fax through your CV. And I kind of went, 
yeah, right, mum. That's really embarrassing. But then when I was on the phone, I thought, oh, they're really nice. They weren't snotty mm-hmm. or they were really down to earth and really friendly. And I went, is there any way I can fax through my CV, please? Thinking it was just going to go and then just go straight in the bin. Yeah. And then literally about four days later, I got a phone call from them saying, Debbie would like to invite you to the private audition for Rocky Horror Show. And I was like, oh my God. They told me all of the dates, all of the money, where it was going, when it started. Mm-hmm. I did an audition on the Monday. On the Friday, I did a recall. And then the minute I got back to the Isle of Wight, I'd had a call from Germany no confirming way. that they wanted to cast me. So it's, I think it's really interesting mm-hmm. that just from going, it's kind of, if you don't take an opportunity you kind of don't know where it's going to lead because if I if I hadn't gone to that Greece audition I would never have had an in yeah and I think it's as well I think whenever you think back to that voice you had in your head that was like do I actually want to go like we all get that and that's like such a stay in your comfort zone voice it's like don't do that because that's going to be effort going all the way up to London and then you might not get it and then it'll be a waste of your time and you just reel off all the things that are going to go wrong and you don't think like oh this actually could be it though this could be the moment I get booked for something or this could lead on to something else and it's so easy to listen to that voice and go ah I'll just go back to sleep I won't do it absolutely yeah and it was I think I'd been teaching the night before uh, the teaching the day before I did a show the night before in uh, the theatre and Mm -hmm. it was just kind of oh my god do I want to and I was really hungry for it but I was just like oh it's an open audition it's going to be hours of and Mm it was a it was a big old I mean I got to sit for about two minutes at, by about seven o'clock in the evening or something ridiculous and awful but it was so worth it and then that led on to a, a world of opportunities you know I got to meet that casting director and since then I've kind of I've worked for her she lives 10 minutes down the road and Aww. I've done a bit of casting sort of assistant admin work for her and stuff like that so it it does really it does really prove that everything kind of happens for a reason I do hate yeah. that expression because I know but of it course does everything, yeah. but it does <laughs> and it's kind of it's so lame going everything happens for a reason because of course there's a reason behind everything yeah. but it's it's where you t- decide to take those opportunities isn't it I guess and if yeah. you put yourself in that if you put yourself out there then you're gonna get something out of it whether or not it's positive or negative yeah there's always always something you can learn from every experience you go through for sure and you know even if it's a terrible experience like I've had some (laughs) awful experiences like well the the three auditions I've had one of them was awful and I can look back on that and go well if I ever do an audition again I know not to do it like that or that's what I'll take from it like have you had any really awful disastrous auditions (sighs) Well, I, so after I did Rocky Horror Show, mm-hmm. I kind of got an agent from that. And so, you know, that was my first introduction to getting an agent and doing the whole, like, I contact, again, Debbie O'Brien helped me with that. I contacted her saying, oh, thank you for casting me. And can you recommend any agents? Because I was yeah. completely, you know, I, I wasn't in London. I wasn't at drama school and la, la, la. But once I got started to, once I started to go to private auditions, I got sent to like some TV auditions for adverts and stuff like that. And I remember there's, there's a few, I've got like a handful of terrible audition stories. So the first one was, it was at Spotlight, you know, just for a TV advert casting. Mm-hmm. And there were a few of us in the room. They called us all in, a group of about five or six of us. They said, okay, guys, so for this particular advert, all we need you guys to do is to, you're just having a sort of a social, no, no, not necessarily talking to each other. It's all reaction. And reaction comedy is always like something that I do well. And I thought, yeah, I've got this. So they said, what you need to do is you need to be like just chatting to each other and laughing and stuff. And then all of a sudden you smell a fart and then you have to kind of go, Oh, and I thought I've got this in the bag. This is this is totally up my street. Anything to do with like farts or anything yeah. like that. I just love it. Anyway, so we did it. We were in the room for about five minutes, all in total. And they were like, "Thanks, guys. Thank you so much." And on our way, we all got up and said, "Oh, thank you." And I went, "Oh, is that it? Oh, okay, that was quick." And I went, <laughs> "Jobs are good and why would you say that? <gasps> Job jobs are jobs good and." <laughs> Well, clearly you're not going to get it now because they think, oh, she thinks she's got it. So yeah, I didn't get that. Oh no. <laughs> Jobs are good. And so note to self, don't ever say that kind of crap. Oh. And then, the, I mean, the musical auditions were always where I ended up saying something completely idiotic. I mean, I would go into an audition and regardless of whether I would sing well or sing badly, mm-hmm. I'd go, la, and like finish on a big note. And then I'd go, oh, sorry, that was a bit loud. 
why are you apologizing after you've sung? They want you to sing what's going on. Anyway, so yeah, I used to do that. And then one particular, I don't know if I should say what it was for mm-hmm. or not, but anyway, it was for, I'll just say what it's for. Okay. It was for Billy Elliot, the musical, right? Yeah. Now, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's a very, it's a basically a play with music. It's mm-hmm. a really great storyline, isn't it? And it's, yeah. it's all about being real. It's not like jazz hands. I know that there's mm-hmm. a big tap number and stuff, but my agent sent me for it. And the director, Stephen Daldry, I mean, he's like proper. He's totally like legit. He's a great director. Mm-hmm. And I go in the room, right? And I'm being seen for a character called Dead Mum. Okay. Very t- tasteful, yeah, lovely, uh, t- tasteful character. <laughs> and so the song is about, so Billy Elliot's like thinking about his mum who's mm-hmm. unfortunately died. And there's this whole scene of Billy reading this letter. And then the mum comes on behind him and she sings this song like, dear Billy, da, 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 da. And anyway, so had to do a Geordie accent, had to t- turn up and do a Geordie, uh, a, 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 a joke in a Geordie accent, mm-hmm. uh, which was fine. I was like, joke got it down I can do anything to do with comedy anyway but this is all about being real and I thought well you know even though I sway towards you know funny and being big and being Mm -hmm. quirky or whatever I thought you know I have heart as well I can do this as well anyway so I'm standing there and I'm doing the song dear Billy and all that business and then the director goes waves his arms no no uh can we stop this can we stop and I went oh yeah of course yeah yeah sure I don't know what's going on here you're, you're like a you're like a children's entertainer. I was a bit like, I was literally standing there with my hands by my side, being really heartfelt and being really insular and going, dear Billy, da 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 da, and saying the script and doing the, the, doing the song. Yeah. And he went, no, stop, stop. It's all too much. And I thought, okay, I do get it. I didn't say anything because I'm too polite. I went, oh yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, yeah. Take on the direction. Of course. Let's do it again. Yeah, for sure. I was sta- literally standing stock still, my hands by my sides going, dear Billy. And just not, not doing any facial expressions. I was like a corpse, an actual corpse. And I thought there's people who will pay for a ticket 75 like miles yeah. away and they won't be able to see the actors. So you've got to have a tiny bit of <laughs> bit of movement Anim- there anim- animation yeah. it's not tv anyway when the minute he said that thing about being a children's entertainer the, f- the in my head i really wanted to go do you want a balloon animal <laughs> and like hey who wants an elephant you know and pretending to like get a balloon out of my, my yeah. pocket or whatever and it was just it's it just it was so humiliating mm. and and that sort of told me this isn't the show for me <laughs> yeah think. you're like just gonna cross that one off yeah, let's just cross that one off. And it, but it was just it it does give you a big insight as to that the more you go to an audition, you are just putting yourself out there for just for rejection. I mean, mm-hmm. I got so used to it. I'd been auditioning since I was sixteen, and now I'm I'm forty next year, um, which is you know I I still feel like I'm twenty six. It doesn't matter how many times you go in an audition room, you're just never not going to be nervous and. It's just sometimes, you know, you're only human. Sometimes you do a great job and other times you just suck. It's just, why is my voice doing that? Or why is my body not doing that move? Or it's just so weird. It's such a weird business. (laughs) It really is. And it's one of those things like talking about rejection, like you deal with rejection so much. Like how do you start to build a resilience towards that and not take it personally every time? Because I know there's so many people that they'll think, you know, oh, I'm, I really want to audition for this, but if I don't get it, it's going to crush me. And how do I ever come back from that crippling feeling of rejection? Yeah, it's difficult. I'm quite thick-skinned, I think. And I think most performers or people who are audi- who audition mm. for stuff are, are thick-skinned and you have to be. I didn't... It's really weird. You kind of do that thing of like, take it on the chin and off you go because... Yeah. I know that we're in the COVID situation now. So theatre and music and everything to do with the arts is completely just down the pupper. Yeah. So, you know, that is going to leave a lot of people with a lot of confidence issues, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but with me, I just kind of used to take it on the chin. If it was something I really, really wanted, a show in particular, you know, you, you hear that you, you didn't get it. 
And then you go home, you have a big old cry, you feel sorry for yourself for probably 24 hours. And then you mm-hmm. just pick yourself up and you go, oh, well, screw them. Yeah. I remember I remember once I, there was a, um, a musical that I really, really wanted. It was only like a small, it was a fringy, I think it was at Southwark Playhouse. So it wasn't, you know, a West End job that was yeah. going to run for a year. It was literally just a scaled down version of a show. Um, it was going to be playing for about two months I think so it wasn't a big money job or anything but I really wanted it it was right up my street and again it was geared towards the whole comedy and it was it was such a well-written musical I'd always loved the musical when I when it was in London and I got feedback from my agent after I didn't get it and I said Mm -hmm. oh you know if we heard anything and she said yeah they gave some feedback they said that you know they liked what you did in the room but you just you just weren't funny enough and I've got to say that was, that was, I don't want to say crippling, but that really made me go, whoa, okay. So funny is what I've always done. I've always done the comedy sidekick or I've always, like in life, I've always been like, oh, she's hilarious. Like down the pub or whatever you do, I'd always be entertaining my friends. And, and I hate it when people say that like, I'm mad me, you know, when people are like, oh, I'm the crazy one. <laughs> <laughs> I, but that had always sort of been my thing. Like, oh, yeah. you'll love Amy. She's hilarious. Hang on a second. I've just been told I'm not funny. Mm. What the hell is going on? And I just thought, okay, on reflection. So I was distraught by that. Yeah. I, and I said to my agent, I went, I'm just so confused by this because this is, this is sort of what I do. If someone doesn't like your voice, like, oh, your voice just wasn't strong enough or yeah. your dancing just wasn't, you know, you weren't technical enough or they, they just wanted someone a bit taller or they, or they just wanted like, or whatever. That's fine because I can't, you know, it's okay. That's what you wanted. Mm-hmm. But then to say that I wasn't funny, I thought, oh my God, I've never met anyone who hasn't said that I'm funny or made them laugh. And that was a real, oh my God moment. Yeah. And it almost I've, feels like a, a personality attack. It's like, oh yeah, thanks. And then, yeah. but then I, after that, and then on reflection of when you get older and stuff, and mm. because I then moved years later to the other side for a little bit, Mm-hmm. of being an agent it's so funny how you can take a step back from that and go that's fine that's your opinion I yeah. don't necessarily find one comedian funny and you might find them hilarious it's all subjective isn't it and yeah. it's and not everyone can like you which is something that I've always kind of struggled with I've always wanted people that's the first thing I want people I, yeah. I really want them to like me and I think, I mean, I, I relate to you a, a lot with how you are as a person. I think it's an Isle of Wight thing. I think it is. It has to be. I think because because the, like the way you are and everything as well, I, I see, and I know a lot of people relate to you and how you are and how, like the comedy stuff that you do. And I think it's brilliant. You're so good. And, oh, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think it's a, it must be coming from a small town type of thing, but it's, it's you want people to like you don't you yeah. just as a person so I'm going off a bit, a bit of a tangent but you uh, that's the first thing I always want people to I, yeah. whether or not they think I'm good or not at what I do whatever I'm doing I sort of don't care but I just want people to like me <laughs> and no that's such a normal thing as well I think as well being from the island because you kind of feel like everyone knows you and everyone knows your business and everyone sees what you're doing. It's almost like you either have to let that scare you and make you feel like really small. Like I actually can't do anything because everyone on the island's going to judge me for it. Or you can go, oh, do you know what? Fuck it. Like they can say what they want to say. I'm going to do what I'm going to do and they're just going to deal with it. And I think with that, you, you kind of have to like take off this layer and be like, right, that layer that was on me before was please love me please find everything I do good please like don't say anything bad about me but I think you get to that point where you're just like oh do you know what Eh, you're not gonna like me it's fine but there is still deep down somewhere you do still always have that thing where it's like please like me just like me why don't you like me come on please like me it's so weird isn't it and Mm. I find uh, one thing of getting older as well and of course you know we're all getting older but wherever you are in the stage of your life I mean I never thought I'd reach the day when I'm nearly 40 I just don't get it it's just so weird but you do 
you you start to hear what your parents have said or people mm. that you've met and you've gone oh I really like them I really look up to them and you're 20 or something and yeah. they're like 32 and you think oh god I'm never gonna be 32 and, and then they'll go you wait until you get older you'll change <laughs> your mind and then you go no I won't and then you find yourself like bam you're 35 and you go oh yeah I see what you mean I am more confident about like what I wear or yeah. I go out without makeup on I never thought I would I've never troweled it on but you know you go out and you go mm. I don't actually care what, what I look like without makeup on or not and it's it is weird like mm. you, you start to go fuck this I don't care because at the end of the day and I someone said this to me not so long ago and I thought you are right people don't care what other people are doing they do they go oh i'm on instagram oh yeah like or oh god she shouldn't be wearing that which is an awful yeah. way to react to people or like oh i don't like that choice of hairstyle on them mm -hmm. but people ultimately don't care about what no. you're doing so why do we care and that's what i kind of struggle with with the please like me yeah. please think i'm brilliant but also i don't care anymore yeah it's so the it's, weirdest thing like I think as well I yeah. think you go from a young age I don't know I think for me I was always quite shy but when I was younger I always kind of cared what people thought of me I was always like everyone's looking at me everywhere I go people were staring at me and then when I got into my 20s like I've gone through my 20s in such a weird way like I started out being so self-conscious so worried about what everyone thought about me and then as I've come towards the I suppose end of now I'm a bit more like it's really weird that as you get older you do just start to focus only on yourself and like you worry about like I think I've always done this I've always worried about what I'm wearing when I go somewhere and then when I get there the whole <laughs> time I'm stood there going I shouldn't have worn this why am I wearing this? I look really stupid. They look really nice. But then if I go home and think, what was that girl wearing? I can't remember because I've spent the whole night thinking about what I'm wearing. And then you think, well, everyone else must be doing exactly the same thing. Absolutely. Like and no one knows. No one knows what you're no. wearing. No. And it's one of those funny things, you know, we've all done it. And I know you've been having, you know, social media detoxes and stuff like mm. that, you know, big fan, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Love Not it. stalking you. Um, um, but when you look through your Instagram and mm. you know, when you look back on a photo of, I don't know, five years ago or something. Yeah. And, and I thought, God, I remember at the time thinking, oh God, your arms look really flabby, Amy, or, oh God, I looked, I, my face looks really fat. But I look back on 2015, I'm like, my body was banging back then. <laughs> and now, and, and I'm thinking, I'm going to look back at 2020 and it's mm -hmm. going to be 2025. And I'm going to go, God, I look great then. What yeah. was going on? So I think you have to kind of take a step back and go, okay, you just have to sort of accept what you except being in your own skin really yeah. I think is what it is and yeah I, I I just think don't worry about what anyone else thinks of you and that's it goes back into that's what you kind of need to take in with you when you go into an audition mm -hmm. like they may not like me they may like me but I just want to do a good job for me because at the end of the day I need a job it's so easy to kind of overthink everything and not think about yourself like you always think about everyone else and you always think about impressing everyone else before you think of yourself I mean I haven't auditioned now for over oh god two years now I got to the I just got to the point where so in my early 20s I, I did really really well in auditions I had all the bravado and everything you know like late teens auditioning I got my first job at 18 mm -hmm. singing with a band called Bucks Fizz I don't know if uh, any of your listeners will be old enough to remember that but they were the ones in the 80s that won the Eurovision in 1981 when I was born and they ripped their skirts off at the Eurovision in 1981 anyway so years later that was my first job when I was 18 I got to uh -huh. travel around um, Europe did loads of tv shows did like arenas and stuff like that and then I got Rocky Horror Show after that. And then I would, I was just doing really well, early twenties. Like there were loads of things around. There were loads of open auditions, which now there really sadly aren't really that many open auditions anymore, apart from maybe for cruises. Yeah. And I'd been auditioning so for literally 20 years. And it got to the point where there was one particular audition that was going, I'd worked backstage as a dresser mm -hmm. on 
beautiful. It was the Carol King musical. And my I did so much work, so much prep. I mean, I was working backstage with like with the people in it and stuff like that. And I was really working hard on it. I, I got to the point where I thought, I'm just gonna go all in. I yeah. turned up at the audition basically because I knew all the costumes and stuff. I turned up basically wearing exactly what the character that I was playing mm-hmm. would wear. I went all out. I did really well in the auditions. They sent the tapes to America for the American producers to look at it. And I thought, this is it. I'm going to get my UK tour because mm-hmm. I've, ne- I've, ne- I've never done West End or UK tours. And I'd always really wanted a UK tour. And I thought it'll be the Carol King musical that I'd worked on. I loved it so yeah. much. And I had such a bond with it and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so it, a week went by and then I heard from my agent and I thought, oh God, it's like Friday afternoon at four o'clock or something. I thought, mm-hmm. this is either going to be a yes or a no. Yeah. And I picked up the phone. Hi, Amy. And it was my agent. I'm afraid it's not going to go your way for beautiful. And I just, oh. that were it. And I, it was just such it was one of the big disappointments for me because I was just, I'd been thinking, I, I'm not really, I do believe it to a certain point of view, you know, you put out positivity and you visualize yeah. and you try and think for me, it was a no brainer. I thought mm-hmm. I'm the right age for this. I'm totally right for all of the characters. I could, I could understudy. I'd be very useful. You know, I just thought I love this the whole script and everything this is totally up my street Mm -hmm. this is the one I can see me on tour it feels right in my life like I'm in the right age I can drive to that venue I could drive back on the Saturday night and then spend time at home and and it all seemed to just be like this is going to be that piece of the puzzle and I'm going to get my tick of yeah I'm 35 and I'm or however old I was at the time I'm going to get my UK tour and then when I heard that it was like a kick in the stomach Mm. it was a real disappointment and it took a while to get over that and it was kind of until that moment Mm -hmm. auditions were starting to dry up a little bit and it's annoying because when when you're in your 20s everyone I mean everyone loves youth don't they like youth is beautiful and even though I don't think oh I'm really old and I'm not a person that's hung up on their age even though I sound like I am Hmm. it's just in the industry when you're 35 and because I don't necessarily look my age I was in a just a funny bracket so from about 30 well maybe even in my late 20s I was being sent up for like young mum roles and I just wouldn't it wouldn't work because I just didn't look right for it it just I didn't look like a young mum and even though you know what does a young mum look like it can look Mm -hmm. like anyone I could be a mum I'm not a mum but it was getting harder and harder and harder getting auditions and because the auditions were starting to dry up a little bit more and I think because I'd lost my confidence a little bit because I'd had that role in my early 20s where I'd be like I did loads of big pantos like I played Peter Pan opposite David Hasselhoff who was playing Captain Hook I worked with Steve McFadden who plays Phil Mitchell in EastEnders like I played opposite all of those people and you know so I knew that I was good enough I knew that I had something to offer but it was just like it stuff just started just drying up and becoming less and less auditions were just becoming fewer and it got to the point where I was just doing so many other things I just didn't feel like a performer anymore I didn't feel like an actor tv adverts were drying up and I was just in this kind of weird no man's land of just floating around and after the beautiful no and you know not getting that job I just thought I don't want to say that I'm giving up because I would never ever give up you know I mm-hmm. I've done it since I was a little kid and my parents knew right from the minute I basically came out of my mother they knew <laughs> that I was gonna I was always jumping around and performing and making them laugh and being an absolute dick and I, they they knew that because I wasn't academic as well I just hated school I just mm-hmm. all I, I couldn't wait to get to dancing I couldn't wait to get to drama they knew that I wasn't going to be you know I don't know studious uh, yeah a studious person or you know yeah. go on to be some kind of hot shot business person yeah. it just wasn't in my blood I had to kind of make a decision about what I wanted to do and then that's and I'd been sort of doing so many different sidelines so I'd been dressing on shows in the costume department I had been 
teaching at drama schools like singing and dancing musical theatre mm -hmm. I was uh, volunteering as a cat socializer <laughs> at an animal that's amazing cat socializer hey tiddles do you want to go out for a cocktail <laughs> um i once had to walk an obese cat on a on a lead oh. they went oh can you they went can you take hattie out and i it's that if anyone's tried to walk a cat on a lead it ain't happening it's so i had to basically do an assault course trying to keep hold of this lead going oh. over benches and stuff and this little fat cat who was my god i loved her i mean i love cats more than anything in the entire mm -hmm. world so another again another i guess i'm a sort of jack of all trades really mm -hmm. you know i used to, i was doing that as well i was volunteering every thursday and then i through my teaching work through a drama school that is just down the road from me who a friend a very dear friend of mine runs he said oh we've got an agency would you like to run the agency and at the time it was you know I'd never run an agency before obviously I knew how it all worked back mm -hmm. you know from the performer's point of view but really in the office point of view not a clue yeah. really I, I had a, some kind of idea but you know so they taught me the ropes and then I very which was lovely of them they said do you want to run it and then I was I was running this you know this book of actors right from sort of five-year-olds and I knew all of the people on the book because I taught a lot of them and then I got a chance to kind of scout and then I realized that I thought oh this is this is actually really interesting yeah and because I as a performer I knew quite a lot of people and mm -hmm. quite a few people sort of knew me I've been knocking around for a while they on the end of the phone it'd be like hi it's Amy here and they'd be like oh my god hello how are you and then there'd be that connection there mm -hmm. and then because it's all about who you know isn't yeah. it and the name on and the voice on the end of the phone and all that business and I realized that I had a I re had an interest in it and also because it was looking after a lot of the kids and the young students that I'd been teaching I thought you know what I'm good at this you know I'm approachable I'm friendly to the casting directors mm -hmm. it's nice to be able to make to make use of my skills and my experience and then I found myself doing that for a few years. So I ran the agency for a little while and then I got an opportunity which kind of went in line with not too long after the kind of got the big gutting news about yeah. not getting that UK tour. And I was starting to dwindle. I was starting to kind of go, I haven't had an audition for a couple of months. Mm -hmm. And when I would get a phone call from my agent going, Amy, we've got an audition for you. It's tomorrow at 10, going to this place, da da da. Take your take your jazz shoes, <laughs> take your ja take your jazz shoes and a leg warmer. Um, <laughs> my heart would sort of sink a bit. And I thought, you know, I still love theatre. I still love performing. My biggest love is music. I just mm -hmm. have always sung in bands and stuff. And I thought, I think I might be getting to the end of my love for this because I don't know how much longer I can keep my sort of cheery, hi there, walking yeah. into an audition room. Hi, I'm feeling fresh and confident. When mm -hmm. really you're going... I just need this job because I'm so sick of doing seven other jobs and trying to pay my bills. Like, can you please just give me this job and give, give me a break? Yeah. A guy I know, um, a friend of mine phoned me up and he said, I'm looking for an assistant. Um, would you, would you like to work for me? We had a little chat and it was the right time for me. I, it was what it would be, would be completely different to anything I'd ever done before. So mm -hmm. it would be working in London uh, because I live, like 35 minutes away from London in Bedfordshire. Mm -hmm. It would be working in London. So I would be a commuter, um, which sort of filled me with dread. But then I kind of thought it would have been working slap bang in the middle of Soho. Mm -hmm. I mean, we would look out of the window and we would see Aladdin at the Prince Edward Theatre and we'd see old Compton Street and it was right in the hubbub. And I thought the more I thought about it, the more I thought this is a good chance to kind of be a be a proper adult adulting i hate that expression yeah. oh oh i just don't want to adult today <laughs> um and i thought you know what bird you need to weigh up your you need to think about what mm -hmm. you want now you know you're in your 30s auditions are kind of drying up you still love it yes but how much longer can you go yeah and then you have that, I don't know why, but I always have that voice in my head going, Madonna didn't make it until she was 35. You know, oh my God, always constant. Go, every time, guys, did you know though, the Madonna didn't make it until she was 36. It's like, how old is she now? Like she yeah. must be 85 now, singing like a virgin with her conical tits. And you just think, <laughs> what's how? happening here? Yeah. So in the back of my head, I thought, you know, 
in, and I know you've touched on this a few times, just because that person is 25, Mm-hmm. got a 50k a year job or whatever is a good yeah. wage i don't know i'm terrible with <laughs> no money. idea and um, got loads of money they've got three kids and two labradors and they live in the country or whatever and you think and i go i'm not anywhere there i've got no savings i'm mm-hmm. terrible with money i live for today um i've got loads of nice friends but but i've got nothing to show for it if i yeah. pop off tomorrow it's like who wants her iPhone? Anyone? <laughs> Literally. She's got a great iPad. So there we go. Um, but none of that stuff matters. But I just thought, right, you've been offered a really good opportunity here. Mm-hmm. You are interested in the, in the kind of back, the, the workings of how it all works back, you know, with the agent point of view. And it was such a good experience. It was a brilliant life experience. But I think for me, it's always in the back of my head I got that imposter syndrome. Oh, I had the, the worst. It's the worst. And it, the, the working in our office, there were three of us. It was a really good laugh. We all got on really well. But in the back of my head, I thought, this is the stuff that as an actor and as a person, because I'm the sort of person where I'll buy, I don't know, like a kitchen gadget and I'll say to my other half, oh, can you just read it and tell me how it works? Because I don't want to read it. I hate reading instruction manuals. It's the worst thing. Yeah. I would rather, I was, I've been trying to, I've been doing quite a lot of um, recording. I'm doing a lot of songwriting at the minute. And I've been trying to use Logic Pro on Mac, right? Mm-hmm. And my other half said, oh, I'm not really that good at it. And I've got a mate who's brilliant at it. And I said, I might just call up Phil and get him to explain how it works. And he went, and Ian, my other half went, just go on YouTube and watch the tutorials. I was like, but I need someone to explain it to me because I can't, I can't just watch something. And it's like doing an online, I I can't do it because Mm -hmm. I've got the, the concentration of a gnat. And I just, I, yeah, I mean, I probably do. I'm probably a bit too old to be diagnosed with ADHD, but I probably have that. You and me both. I can't. And it's also because of this blooming thing, this blooming yeah. iPhone, where you just open Instagram, look at it and then go, oh, nothing's happening. Then close it. And then you yeah, pick open it, it up again. again. <laughs> Why are we doing that? Anyway, so I'm, I'm really going off on a tangent here. But anyway, I took this opportunity with both hands and I loved it. Yeah. It was a great it was a brilliant experience i built up a client list and i had a great rapport with all of my clients people were getting work but the thing for me was in the back of my head i had that thing of i don't want to turn up at a press night not being the actor i want to come out and be like hi to my agent and the assistant and the casting director i don't want to be the person to go hello this is thingy from casting collective or whatever um and uh they think you were really good and even though i did love the schmoozing so we would go to some amazing press nights we would take casting directors we'd go to watch clients in shows and it was so much fun but it's such a small percentage of the job 80 percent of it is reading contracts and who wants to read it's not fun you know it'll be like clause a clause one a should the participant and it's just like you've lost me i'm honestly just thinking about what i'm having for lunch i just found someone else yeah and so and and my boss was lovely he was so nurturing and 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 also the other guy that used to work there he was great as well and we had such a good time it just i just had this thing of going i I just want to be not not sitting in an office and staring at a screen and all I could feel was this isn't what you're meant to be doing and I know you're trying to do the best bird but it's not not for you is it Mm. yeah and so that's when I made the decision of I just need to get a pay the rent job that I like that I'm interested in so I'm working as just on on a reception front of house at a gym Mm -hmm. it's great I'm it's local to me the team are lovely and I'm loving it and you know what? Some people might sit there and go, you're 39 and you're like working front of house at a gym. It's like a part-time job and might judge that. But you know what? It works for me. And the whole thing about being a bit older and making those decisions. And I know you're this sort of person as well. Like you, I know from one of the podcasts that you did, um, you said that you don't, you can't stick in a job if you know that you're not doing yeah. your best. And I'm 
exactly the same as that. And I think it's a really important intuitive thing to have. Yeah. Because you could, you see these people who have stayed in a job for 20 years and, you know, it is, it is a, a, a privilege to be able to go, yeah, this isn't for me. I'm going to leave because sometimes you just do have no choice. Yeah. And I've definitely stuck in jobs where I've gone, I hate this. But I think there was that thing of, I've spent 18 months doing this job. I was traveling in and out of London, you know, spending an hour and a half traveling a day. Mm-hmm. It's so expensive to travel yeah. in from where we are. And I, it was that thing of, I'm still treading water money wise because my outgoings were so much. And it was just, there were lots of, there were loads of positives about the job, but there were also negatives. And I thought, I know that really it's not really what I want to do. So I just thought I'm going to get a pay the rent job. So I've got something there to keep me afloat. And then it gives me the, the impetus and the enthusiasm to be able to do the stuff that I really, really want to do, which is essentially band work, songwriting recording Mm -hmm. and weirdly going back to the getting older and kind of going sod this yeah and I know I know you're quite a bit younger than me and your generation are are way more kind of I'm gonna like post myself doing like a workout and sped Mm -hmm. up or I'm gonna post you know like you're doing your vlogging and it's it wasn't so much like that in my sort of like when Mm -hmm. I was in my 20s it it wasn't around you know msn messenger <laughs> myspace <laughs> yeah <laughs> myspace i mean how fun was that i wonder what tom's up to tom from myspace i know was, tom from myspace he, the, he was the yeah. one with that funny profile the white top <laughs> <laughs> having to choose who your friends are in order i mean how oh, savage is that um, but then the whole thing of then lockdown coming was for me the i don't want to say the best thing to happen because there are clearly loads of awful things about yeah. this yeah but for me it on was a personal best, level. Yeah, on a personal yeah. level, it was the best thing to happen to me because it meant that I was forced into having to be creative and that I wasn't comparing myself to anyone mm-hmm. or anything. And it was actually a really dear friend of mine who said, you should just do some recordings and stuff. Get yourself a good mic. Get yourself, um, just record yourself. Just do some songs. And it's kind of ignited this love that I had from years ago when I was way way younger I used to write some I I wrote some songs and I just it kind of brought back that love of and the realization of I'm just gonna put myself out there you know you get all these people and I balk at it I go oh god this is terrible but when people go hi guys I'm gonna be singing live tonight at six o'clock singing musical songs and I just think that makes me honestly want to vomit blood but I just but then I think you know what I'm not going to judge it because at the end of the day that person it's right for them great but because my friend said you know you need to get yourself doing some like live streams and stuff like that and he's very brilliantly he's got his own studio in North Mm -hmm. London and um, he said let's do a live stream so then we've just then we decided that we were going to get this live stream get my band together just did like a 45 minute set and then just um just did a live stream on Facebook Mm. and it was so nerve-wracking because then you have that thing of oh my god but what do people think I'm rubbish yeah well you can't see them you can't see them wanting to throw tomatoes at the screen or whatever and then it's just so I've done that I've done lockdown music videos mm-hmm. um I've done loads of recording for friends and for people who have kind of gone oh would you want to do this recording and I can feel that the ball is starting to roll in the direction that I want it to and I know yeah. there's no gigs around and stuff like that but they were starting to come back you know got some lovely gigs in London for me it just it has kind of almost sparked a bit of creativity and it's I don't you know I've been working out every day Haley. I'm sculpting my body <laughs> <She's got abs>. <laughs> <laughs> No, not, let's not go that far. Um, <laughs> not yet. But also, anyway. but also it's like, um, I've even, I even put myself up for being a guest chef for. No way. Yeah. In a way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for this, there's this, um, I, I hire, cause I love food. It's yeah. another, so my biggest loves are music, mm-hmm. cats. Yeah. <laughs> 
tea and food. So, so how can we get all those together to create the ultimate job for you? This is the thing. So I feel like I am really slowly ticking off all yeah. of these things. So cats, I volunteered at the uh, Wood Green Animal Shelter for a few years. Sadly, I couldn't do it anymore because it was just getting too much with what yeah. I was doing. Um, but yeah, adopt, don't shop, guys. Um, <laughs> always by the way always always adopt don't shop and then obviously recording all my music stuff and doing um like trying to write original songs and doing loads of gigging and stuff like that and then I saw during lockdown this fruit and veg company who are local to me who are very much what I kind of believe in and what I try Mm -hmm. to implement in my daily life which is like no plastic local business all of that business and they're called seasons fruit and veg if anyone's up this way (laughs) plug plug. um they they said one day so i'd had a few um, deliveries of fruit and veg boxes Mm -hmm. over lockdown and before that so it wasn't i wasn't just one of those um you know flighty kind of oh i'm just gonna oh morrison's is really busy or waitrose is really busy i'm just gonna go to get a veg box i'd already been buying from them pre-lockdown so i'd been ordering from them they sent me a new a newsletter just out to all their customers saying this is what's going on at the moment you know we've had been inundated during lockdown and we really appreciate your business and also we're we're looking for a guest chef for our social media like no way are there any either professional chefs Mm -hmm. or home cooks or just budding just people who love cooking which is definitely me i am by mm-hmm. no means skilled or I, you know i haven't done like a health and safety in cooking or anything like that but i've always cooked from scratch yeah great food nice produce i really believe that you know i just love to cook for people and yeah. i just think it is it's just such a love of mine i've always yeah. eaten fresh gorgeous food and i just went sod this i'm gonna put myself up for it so i then wrote wrote an email hi there i'd love to be put up for it and they obviously saw my instagram i'm one of those boring people who's like hello i've just just made beans on toast look no, okay. <laughs> they're like no, no no not this one <laughs> no no oh look rustler's burger <laughs> one minute and you're done <laughs> and just made this pot noodle and they must have seen my instagram and gone oh okay so she can cook you know mm-hmm. she's not she's not completely you know unskilled (laughs) they sent me this massive box of Mm. about 20 veg fruit salad and they said right come up with uh three cooking videos so then i went into panic mode of going shit oh my god what have i done i'm not a chef though oh god i'm not mission star i just really like watching nigella on a on a monday night or whatever (laughs) anyway but I then thought, you know what? It's just cooking. It's yeah. not like the BBC have said, right? So yeah. you're a guest chef. On you're Saturday. coming on. You're not- yeah. Are you Expecting all right to talk things. to us? A- yeah. <laughs> so, um, so my other half, because he's also inv- involved with my friend Phil at this studio doing um, live streaming. So he does all the camera work, mm-hmm. and my friend Phil does all the sound. Because it that had happened in the beginning of lockdown, um, and since then they'd got some lovely cameras some great lights really good sound and all that business ian my other half said well i can do the videos for you but like properly and we can do proper editing and get it all done so it looks you know gorgeous absolutely profesh and and we did it and it was so much fun but never underestimate how how hard it is to cook and think about what you're saying and oh. looking at the camera, trying to still look a bit fit and like not being a, like chopping <laughs> with a double chin. Away, like, yeah. Don't mind this double chin. Yeah, trying not to grate your finger off while making a quiche or something. And just, yeah, it's just, it was so much fun. And it's, it's I think it really is proof of, you really don't have, I, I think it's okay to be a jack of all trades. And I've always yeah. kind of, I've always sort of, I rolled and gone oh, if only I went to drama school I would have probably been working and on all of this business but then I think I don't think I would change kind of where I've been and what I've done at all yeah. really and you know I'm not saying I'm exactly I'm definitely not rich or anything <laughs> um could definitely do with more money um <laughs> but I think you have to love what you do and I yeah. think it's always really important to not ignore that little voice that you want that wants something if you know what i mean so if you do want it's like 
you know you were saying that you found that you really want to present now you just yeah. know that it, it's always been there mm-hmm. but you just know that you, that's what you want to do and I think it's really good not to ignore that voice because yeah. there's always a way of doing stuff and even though it is difficult and it is hard you just need to have that determination to do something that you want and whether mm-hmm. or not it's on a huge scale or a small scale like that cooking video I'd always wanted to do that and I'd always wanted to go like on a podcast so welcome welcome (laughs) I think going back to the job thing when you stay in a job and you're not in it like there's since making some of those podcasts where I talk about stuff like that people have come forward to me and they've messaged me and been like oh I'm in this job that you know I've been in for 10 years and it's got really good you know points to it like I I get a lot out of it in terms of money and benefits Mm. and you know this this that and the other but I'm really unhappy and I can't leave it because I feel like then everyone's going to think that by quitting that it means that I failed and it's like I kind of see it in a completely different way I think if you say it's something and I'm not saying this to belittle anyone or make anyone feel shit about their decisions but I think sometimes if you stay in something and you don't love it anymore you're doing yourself a disjustice because there's so much more out there for you and if you don't follow the things that make you happy then it's kind of like you're going to get to a point in your life where you're going to turn around and go shit I really wasted years of my life doing something that I hated for money and I didn't get any enjoyment out of it and I missed out on doing x y and z and it's like you kind of have to put yourself in that headspace where you go okay in like five ten years time am I gonna regret 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 quitting (laughs) quitting that job or am I gonna be like oh thank fuck now I've done all this other stuff or like going to this audition that seems way way too much like that I'd never get that am I going to regret doing that in five years time? Or am I going to be like, well, I'm glad I got the experience out of it or this came out of it. Like there's, there's so many ways of looking at it. But I think if you always follow the stuff that makes you happy and brings you joy, even if it's not paying the bills, then you're doing something right. I totally agree with you. And it just, it's all about, it's someone, I can't remember who it was said to me. I think I was talking to my my two friends we voice note each other yeah. we've got this little group uh, there's three of us me laura and sarah and every day we we send a voice note we're like hi dear good morning and we just update each other about our lives and we've all had meltdowns at some point going oh my god i really hate this or oh my god i feel so fat today or god yeah. i just looked in the mirror and i feel like a whale or you know any kind of like money worries relationship mm-hmm probs or whatever and it's really funny because you realize that once you're not here anymore people don't remember anything like that they literally just remember you and what you've brought they don't go oh my god wasn't um Susie amazing because she was the size eight and she had like perfect hair and you just go it really I I think it for me I I, I, my problem is I do live for today too much in terms of money (laughs) my mum would always go Amy Bird you're so terrible with money and I still cannot budget to this day I will go I'm very very lucky that I have a really supportive family you know who bail you out and stuff Uh, but I've never been I've never been a saver and but you know what I'm never gonna change and it's a terrible thing to say sorry for those people out there who are like you really should think about rainy day but also at the same time I've got more things to that's the one thing in my life that I don't worry about Mm is terrible I don't worry about money because I have been there It's not though, because it means that my, it means that I am not taking enough responsibility for anything. I remember once though, when I moved, when I first got together with Ian Mm -hmm. and I moved from, I was living in London at the time, zone one, what am I talking about? I mean, I know in a tiny box room, I was living basically on Brick Lane and everyone goes, oh my God, that must've been so good. No, no, because I was working all hours that God sends. I couldn't afford to go out because I was on a minimum wage job. It was just the worst time. Mm. Even though it was fun, I just couldn't take advantage of it. I had no money. Yeah, and and I moved in with Ian. He was away on tour at the time. He's a musician. And I moved into this place. Didn't know anyone around here, first of all. Didn't have my car, because that was still back on the Isle of Wight. And I had no money. And I remember one time, me and my friend laugh at this. I had to break open my piggy bank to get money to buy broccoli (laughs) (laughs) broccoli is 75p now i know i'm laughing about it but at the time it was pretty worrying it was horrible and it was horrible and also i felt so alone because i didn't know anyone around here and even though i'm outgoing Mm -hmm. i wouldn't be the sort of person who goes 
Hi there, I'm Amy from number 17. Could fancy a chat or whatever. I'm the new neighbour. Also, have you got 75p? (laughs) Yeah, got anything else back there, sir? (laughs) Um, So yeah, that was, that was a worrying time. So I've always, you know, I've been terrible with money, but also I kind of think, who cares? (laughs) Isn't that awful? You know, those moments, I think I live my life like how people do when they're drunk. So, you know, when you're having like the best time, you're out, you're drinking wine or you're, you know, having a glass Prosecco or you're like on having a gin, you're going, guys, everything's great. And then you just go, oh my God, guys, we should like always do this. It's so brilliant. And then you go and you have that weird epiphany moment Mm -hmm. of going, this is, I've never been so happy. Let's go and let's get on a rickshaw at Oxford Circus and take us to King's Cross or whatever. (laughs) And then you kind of live your life as if you've got no consequences and then that's me (laughs) i'll just go i'm gonna just order like 150 pounds worth of clothes from asos because you know it's lockdown why not how how else am i gonna work out if i don't have some clothes to wear (laughs) it's just so weird but it's so bad and no matter how old i get i think i'm always gonna be like that um but yeah and I don't own my own house so that's great (laughs) (laughs) but you're not alone in that like so many people are exactly the same and I think it's just I I think for one we hold way too much towards money like I think everyone puts way too much of a light on money and being like oh my god money's amazing like if I've got a million pound in my bank then I'm gonna be so happy and my life's gonna be amazing and it's it's not until you fix everything else or if you just start focusing on what you do have and you know living your life in a way that feels good for you then you're never gonna you're never gonna reach happiness it doesn't matter what money you've got in your bank account I mean all it does is it buys you opportunity and that is literally it isn't it and also broccoli yeah (laughs) and broccoli the most important thing (laughs) so it appears oh what an absolute diamond of a conversation that was I honestly thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed that and it was just so amazing to hear some of the experiences that Amy has had and how many like serendipitous moments she's had it honestly it's just I love stuff like that so thank you so much Amy for coming on the podcast it was such a pleasure having you on And I hope all of you listening enjoyed this episode. And don't forget to go and follow Amy on Facebook at Amy Bird Music. And if you go and check out her Instagram at Birdie McBirdface, you can also see those videos that we were talking about with the cooking. As always, if you are enjoying the podcast, it would mean the absolute world if you could rate and review us. And I will speak to you all next week for another episode. (laughs) 